If you're visiting, we've been just going section by section through the Gospel of Mark and handling um, just things as they come. And this has been our objective, to enter the story with the disciples and with Jesus and to try to allow the Lord to transform us through the occurrences the same way he transformed the disciples as they walked with him uh, during those days, that they came out different because they spent time with Jesus. And so that's been our goal, and, and I feel different um, by going through these things. And today, I'm hoping we all feel different because we're going to go through an event with Jesus and his disciples. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 35, and we're going to read the story of Jesus calming the sea. A story that we're familiar with, but I really believe God has some things to say to you today from this story that maybe you haven't thought of before. So Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35, it says this. It says, On that day, when evening had came, he said to them, who's he? Jesus. Them is? The disciples. He said, let us go over to the other side, the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern, which is the back, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the winds died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Think about this scene. Pretend that you're in the boat with Jesus today. You're one of the twelves with Jesus and you got on a boat and you're crossing the sea and this incredible storm kicks up. A storm that could cost you your very life. Picture it. It says in the story it's nighttime. So it's dark. It's not a land of street lights and headlights and flashlights. It's, a, it's dark and maybe they have a torch or two lit. Maybe they don't. I'm not so sure you would take a lit torch into a boat. So we know this, they're out in the sea and it's dark. And the wind begins to rise. And the waves get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it says in the story, they begin to crash over the boat to such an extent that the boat is filling with water. And it's so serious that a bunch of professional fishermen, because that's who's in the boat, remember? Four of his followers for sure were fishermen who were used to the sea. So severe that the four fishermen are afraid. They're in a terrible situation. And it says here they're terrified. So the twelve did the only one thing they could do. They go to the back of the boat, and they find Jesus, who's not terrified, laying on a mat, on a cushion, and he's sleeping. And they wake him up. I can't imagine the scene. He's sound asleep. They're, fr- they're freaking out, and he's not. Shows a total difference between them. And they wake him up, and he simply stands up, and he calms the storm. 
He simply says, according to the story, he stood up and he says, hush, be still. And I think he said that in a very confident, a very calm, and a very quiet voice. Because he wasn't frenzied like they were. He simply said, hush, be still. And it says the wind stopped and the waves calmed. And I like the way it says it in the story. It says, and it became perfectly still, calm. Perfectly calm. Friends, the fact of life is that we all face storms in our life. Maybe not literal wind and waves, but storms of circumstances. Situations where life seems to be crashing down upon us like waves from the sea. And just like the twelve in the boat, we're frightened because we don't know what to do. It's dark. It's a dark time. It's a scary time. It's a noisy time. And we're afraid. And we can't see the solution. We're scared like they are. Life is going along just fine. And the phone rings. It's the doctor. The test results have come back. And they're not good. It's a storm. You're sailing through life on calm seas. Everything's going good. The family is fine. The bills are paid. You have no real concerns. The only concern is, where should we go for vacation next summer? Or how will we pay for the kids' education? No real storms. And you get a call from your supervisor, and he says, come on in, I want to see you. And he says, we've got some bad news. The company's downsizing. And I'm sorry to tell you, but you're going to lose your job. It's a storm. Completely dark. You're afraid. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. You don't know if you're going to make it because the waves are crashing over the boat of your life and you're convinced you're going to sink. You get married. You have great plans for the storybook future. Everything's going to be perfect. Wonderful family. Happy kids. House with a white fence around it and a dog barking in the yard. Everything that you ever dreamed life was supposed to be. And then a storm kicks up. And you face it. Infertility. You say, but God, I had a plan. You face it. Infidelity. God, this is not your plan. And your heart's broken. And you're fearful. Friends, like it or not, none of us sails through this life without encountering storms. And none of us enjoys going through a storm. And in this story, Jesus is going through a storm with his twelve, the closest twelve to him. And as he went through that storm, and as they experienced his influence on the storm, I think we can see a few things that can help us when we go through our storms. And this I know. Some of you in this place are going through storms today. Some of you are going to go through storms tomorrow. You don't know it. Some of you just came through a storm. And I think Jesus has something for us to, to learn today from his story of going through storms. First thing I want us to see today about going through a storm is something that I think maybe you've never thought of before. And it's this. That we see that storms do come up in life even when we are doing exactly what God has asked us to do. This is something some of you have not considered before. 
that storms come up in life even when we are doing exactly the will of the Father, doing exactly what God has asked us to do. Look at the story. It's exactly what it shows. These men were following Jesus' instructions perfectly. It wasn't their idea to get in the boat in the night. It wasn't their idea to go over to the other side. It says Jesus was the one who gave them the instructions. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they listened to the, they listened to the Lord. And they got in the boat. And they went to the other side. Then while they were walking in perfect obedience to Jesus' instructions, a storm hits. A storm hits them when they're walking in God's will. Listen to me, church. Understand what this is saying. Because if we understand this, it can save us from incredible anxiety and turmoil and confusion. Because oftentimes, those of us who walk with God have a wrong idea. We have a wrong idea that storms only come when a person is disobeying God or out of God's will. It must be due to sin. It must be because I miss God's voice. I must have done something wrong. I must not have heard what the Father said. Because if I do what the Lord says, surely I won't face a storm. But the story says just the opposite. It's simply not so. Storms and troubles are simply part of the human existence. You see, this beautiful world we live in isn't so beautiful as it once was. This world, according to Scripture, was created perfect in the beginning. You see, life in the garden with Adam and Eve and walking with the Father, that, that, that wonderful existence, there were no storms in that garden. There were no problems. There were no difficulties to face. But our world has changed. Our world has become corrupted, forever altered by sin. And our world is now a place where storms and troubles are commonplace. You need to understand, grasping this is incredibly freeing. You say, how can it be freeing? It's freeing because so often Christians question their walk with God during the storms of life because they have concluded that storms only happen to bad or sinful people. They've concluded that there's a storm in their life, they must be doing something wrong. So when a storm hits, they assume that they, that they must be out of God's will or doing something inappropriate. And what that happens when they conclude that, conclude that is they begin to heap guilt upon themselves or to even blame the people around them that they must be doing something wrong, which only makes the storm worse. Friends, write it down. Storms come up in life even when we are doing exactly what God has asked us to do. Storms come up. That is freeing. And that's freeing for some of you today in particular. I believe the Spirit of the Lord has shown me that. That some of you need to, to own this. You literally do need to write it down in the cover of your Bible. And you need to say, storms come up. It's part of life. That it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Some of you are holding guilt because you think the things that have happened have happened because you're not walking in the will of the Lord and God wants you to know today, let it go. Storms happen. It's just part of life. We see that from the story. But that's not all we see. 
Let's move on with the, with the story as Jesus and the twelve were in the boat together. Let's move on and recognize some other things. Let's, let's think about this. That for us who are Christians in the storm. That when we go through storms, and we said we'll all go through them. That we get this incredible truth. That Jesus is with us while we're in the storm. Sometimes we have this feeling that God's distant. The story points, paints a different picture. It says that when we go through the storm, Jesus is right there. He's just a, a shake away. Wake up. He's not really sleeping, though we know that. That he's with us while we're in the storm. He was with the twelve in the boat. And friends, he's with you in your storms. Because he's given us a promise in his word in another place in the book of Matthew. He said this to you and me. He says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, you can know for certain that since he is with you, he is also here to help you. No matter what storm you are going through today or will go through tomorrow, I want you to own the truth that Jesus is here for you. And all you need to do is to call out to him and he will help you. Well, sometimes, friends, the way he helps is is just by simply coming to us in response to our call and holding our hands and wrapping his arms around us and carrying us through a time of difficulty. You see, Scripture teaches something. It teaches that Jesus can give us a peace that goes beyond, it surpasses all common sense and all understanding. And he can do that right in the middle of a storm. That he brings his presence and his peace into a storm and holds us through a time of difficulty. That's what he did one time with a good friend of mine named Ron. Ron was a pastor in a church near where I had my first pastorate. Ron was quite a bit older than me. I was just entering ministry, the first church, planting a church, Suzanne and I not having an idea what to do. Fresh out of Bible school saying, we're going to go plant a church. Never even been on staff at a church. Never preached to a Christian a day in my life. And we're going to go start a church. Here's Ron. In a church very similar to our church in the same town we were in. He was in his latter years of ministry. He had been very successful and pastored in basically two towns in his life and had been loved everywhere he went and had been very effective. And he saw something in Suzanne and I and he took us under his wing. He'd pick me up in his car and he'd take me to meetings and we would talk. And when I was frustrated, I'd call Ron on the phone and, and, and he mentored me. And I could probably say that if it wasn't for Ron, I probably wouldn't be in, in ministry today. Because I probably would have killed everybody in the church. Because <laughs> he'd say all the time, Mark, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Settle down, Mark. And he'd talk me off the ledge. You know, time and time again. That's true, isn't it, Suzanne? Ron was a good friend. He was a mentor. Then one day, his storm hit. Out of the blue, everything's going good. Church is going fine. He's happy. He's helping me. He's in the will of God. He's leading in our community. He gets the phone call from the pastor. He's not feeling well. And the pastor says, I'm sorry to tell you, Ron, but you have bone cancer. And I watched Ron walk through a storm. I, went, I watched Ron go through all the treatments. I watched Ron continually get worse, more tired, weaker. But what I noticed about Ron through his storm 
was that I never heard him complain one time. I never heard, never heard him blame God. I never heard him say it wasn't fair. And this is what I saw about Ron, a man who had been walking with Jesus for a whole lot of years, that he was at peace. And he was at peace no matter what the outcome was. We're all praying for miracles. He was praying for a miracle too. But he was at peace no matter what the outcome. That literally, there was a peace of God that surpasses understanding that rested upon Ron as he walked through his storm. In fact, one day when we were talking, and I was probably more upset about his cancer than he was, he told me that he was grateful for the doors of ministry that cancer had opened for him. He literally said, I'm grateful. Because he said, I'm really able to minister to people with cancer now better than I ever was before. He said, because now I'm one of them. And my good friend Ron didn't make it. He died of cancer. But I can tell you this, as walk, had a guy walking through it, Jesus was with him in the storm. That's what Jesus does sometimes. But the story teaches something else. This t- story teaches something else about Jesus being with us in the storm. It shows not only is Jesus with us, but it shows that Jesus can calm the storm and he can change the circumstances. That he can take the storms away. Not only can he comfort us and keep us in the storm, but he can literally stop the storm and take it away. And that's what he did for the twelve in the boat that night. He simply stood up and said in total confidence, Hush, be still. And the wind and the waves stopped, and it became perfectly calm. And friends, he can do that for us also. You know, I don't claim to understand God's ways, and people who always had it all figured out make me nervous. Because I've walked with God long enough to know that things don't always just pan out the way I think they ought to. I don't get how come sometimes he just steps in and stops the storm. He heals the cancer, he provides the new job the next day. And everybody goes, praise the Lord. Three days later, the eye is better, and we celebrate. We go, God healed again. While other times... He just holds our hand like he did for Ron and he leads us through the adversity. I don't know, but I do know this. He can and he does supernaturally step in and calm the storms of our lives. And as children, he tells us that we should ask him to calm our storms. He can and he does. And you know why? Because he is the Son of God. That's the very first words of this this book that we began to look at a couple months ago, the Gospel of Mark told us about. It said this is the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that's who we're talking to. That's the storm calmer. He is alive and he is well and nothing is impossible for him. Amen? Nothing's impossible for him. And friends, get this. He wants to calm our storms. And he looks at us while we're in the storm, while we're sitting in the boat. And he asks us the same question that he asked the twelve on that night. He looks at us and he says, why are you afraid? And then he says, do you still have no faith? He says, why are you afraid, Mark? Do you still have no faith? And the key to this question that he asks us in the storm is the word still. Do you still 
have no faith. Friends, you understand what he's asking. He's saying this, he's saying, since you know of all the miracles in the past, since you have seen me at work in your life and the lives of others in the past, then why don't you have faith that I will help you in the current or the future storm? He says, do you still not know who I am? Do you still not know what I can do? Church, understand something. This is where you can find the key to calm in your storm. If you want to know the key to finding calmness in your storm, it's found right here. We look back and we see what Jesus has done in the past. We look into the scriptures, we look into the storm, we see what he's done in the past. We look back into our own lives and we see what he's done. We look back into the lives of the people we know and we see what he's done. We recall what He has done, the times He has provided, the times He has healed, the times He has set us free. And we understand He did it before and He'll do it again. Friends, this is the key to calm in the midst of your storm. We begin to rehearse what He has done for us already and we recognize He's going to do it again. Write it down, friends. Literally, write it down. Make a list. Build your faith by remembering that He did it before and He'll do it again. This is one of my lists. It's a list I wrote a long time ago and I wish I had a date on it because I don't remember exactly when it was written. But I can read through the list and kind of figure out about the time. It was a time that I was in one of the worst storms of my life. A mature child of God, pastoring a church, involved in, in ministry, experiencing the blessings of God, but in my life in a storm. In a time where I thought, God, I am so concerned, I am so fearful about the future, about what you want me to do, that I feel like I'm going to sink, I'm going to drown. And what I did during that time is I did what Jesus is telling us to do here. I took a piece of paper out and I wrote across the top of the piece of paper Psalm 52 9 and it says this I will praise you forever O God for what you have done I will praise you forever O God for what you have done and I began to list the things that God that I know without a doubt that nobody convinced me any other way that it was God that had done supernatural activity in my life and in the life of my family I began to write the things down. You know what the first thing on my list is, Suzanne? I'm going to tell you the whole story. But the day we got married, I wasn't sure I could say I do. Three years we'd been dating. Through we'd fasted, we'd prayed. I believed it was a word from what God wanted us to get married. And on the day of the wedding, I was so committed to serving God, I said, God, but I'm willing to be celibate and single. And I literally walked into the service saying, do I know 100% that God told me to marry her? I want to marry her. Everything within me wants, but am I, have I really heard the voice of God? And I walked into the sanctuary. I could barely walk. I literally was white as a ghost because I was just racked with fear. Not fear of marriage. Fear of not following the will of God. And we walk into our service and had something happened I've never seen happen before. An old man who'd been serving the Lord for years and years did something that I bet you he never did before. He stands up 
during a prayer time, sitting in a congregation of 500 people. And he says, thus saith the Lord. And he prophesies in our wedding. I have selected these two. I have put these two together. I, and he goes on and on and on. And as he did, I felt the weight release. I'm saying, thank you, God. Suzanne has no idea that I might say no. And people asked after the wedding, they said, how come you laugh the whole service? I laughed because I didn't have a care in the world. And I began to rehearse on this day all the miracles, all the times that God had given me divine, there was divine activity in my life. Divine healings in my life, and my family's life. Times of divine direction that I was 100% God. Sure, God spoke to me and said, do this. They were burning bush times in my life. Times of divine provision. Times of divine comfort. When the storm was raging, and the storm didn't necessarily go away, but God came and ministered. And guess what? This, this little thing is two pages long. And I could make it 20 pages long, but at this time I stopped. There are situations where, where I prayed for things that happened. There are situations where God told me to change something, and then it was obvious that when I did, miracles happened. There's times where, where there's financial provision. There's times where God gave us people into our lives that we needed for a specific thing. Times where He just spoke to me about stuff. And guess what? By the end of the list, I knew He'd do it again. By the end of the list, my faith began to rise and fear began to flee. And I could stand there in total confidence and say, He's going to do it again. He did it before and He'll do it again. Church, write it down. Some of you are going through stress and storms right now and it feels like God's nowhere around this afternoon. The Packer game is not more important than getting the fear out of your life and the presence of God into your life. Get in a room by yourself. Take a piece of paper. Write Psalm 52.9 across the top. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. And begin to write them out. Begin to write them out. I remember when. I remember when. And I'll be, you'll be shocked as you sit there. All of a sudden things will come to your mind. Because I've done this dozens of times in my life. You say, but you shouldn't have to do that, Pastor. You're the pastor. Guess what? Storms come in all of our lives. And all of us doubt. And all of us fear. And all of us see the waves crashing and say, God, I think I'm going to drown. And you write it down. And you'll recognize he did it before. And he'll do it again. And church, this is really where the main point of this story lies. That it's in the storm when we recognize the impossible that Jesus does, that we recognize and realize who He really is. Verse 41 of our text. It says that the men in the boat became afraid. So they became afraid once He calmed the storm. Then after the storm was calmed, they became afraid. Because suddenly they realized, this isn't just some good teacher. This is the very Son of God, and even the winds and the waves obey Him. Friends, when the storms of life whip up, and you call to Jesus and He, and he answers, it's then that you realize just how great the Lord really is. And you need to understand, He wants you to know His greatness. Understand something today. 
He cares for each of you just as much as He cares for those fishermen in that boat in the dark that night on the sea. And He will calm the storms of your life when you ask. Sometimes by stopping the wind and the waves. And sometimes by wrapping His arms around you and protecting you and comforting you in the midst of the storm. Friends, we can trust in Him when we call out to Him because we have an awesome God. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray in closing. We're just going to talk to our magnificent God. Our Father, His Father, and our Father. His God and our God. Would you pray with me this morning?